Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Word of Life Chapel this morning. It's great to have you here. The sun is shining. Amen. What a beautiful thing to see. We are so thankful for today. And we are able to gather together to lift up the name uh, of our God, the one true God. A couple of announcements to share with you this morning as we begin our service. First of all, uh, a Christmas Eve service is being planned here at the chapel for this year. Uh, anyone interested in helping uh, to plan or that has any ideas, uh, would you please see Pastor Bob? Youth group and prayer meeting are both tonight. Uh, for youth group, there are new calendars in the foyer. And the adult choir will practice today after the service. Uh, new members are welcome to join. Would you pray with me as we begin our service this morning? Gracious God, we are so thankful for your love for us. God, you're a good God, and it's great to be here today. Lord, we're here with family, because that's what we are. We're family in Jesus. Lord, I ask that you would move this morning. Father, may we hear your words. Father, may you speak truth to our hearts, to our souls. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stand with us as we sing, Build Your Kingdom Here. Build Your Kingdom Here. Come set your rule and reign in our hearts again. Increase in us, we pray. Unveil why we're made. Come set our hearts ablaze with hope like wildfire in our very soul holy spirit come invade us now we are your church we need your power in us we see your kingdom first more than 
free at last He has ransomed me His grace runs deep While I was a slave to sin Jesus died
every prodigal who threw their whole life away. Feeling completely unworthy to mention his name. For every soul that's been shattered by choices you've made, the Father still hears every prayer that a broken heart prays. Oh, just when you thought you could somehow outrun him, you're chased down by mercy and proves that there's nothing that his blood can't cover and his arms can't reach to redeem. Oh, just when you thought you'd exhausted his kindness, his gentle compassion pulls you out of hiding. Just when you thought that his grace somehow reached the end, you find you're forgiven again. It's so amazing how he can move heaven and earth to reach through the darkness the shame the heartache the hurt and we find again there is nothing the Savior loves more Than seeing surrender so he can renew and restore. Oh, just when you thought you could somehow outrun him, you're chased down by mercy, and he proves there's nothing that his blood can't cover, and his arms can't. Oh, just when you thought that he's exhausted his kindness, his gentle compassion pulls you out of hiding. And just when you thought that his grace somehow reached the end, you find your forgiven. Again, he wants you. He'll meet you right where you are. So don't be afraid. Don't turn away from his Just when you thought you'd exhausted his kindness, his gentle 
Before I make um, a few highlights of, in our uh, prayer list, uh, I'm going to ask that Steve come and, and uh, share uh, something this morning. Good morning, everyone. I want to thank everyone for your prayers on behalf of my brother Tom and uh, our family. He was, as you could, and I like this expression promoted to glory yesterday around 2 p.m. I like that it's so much more uplifting than passed away. We were, uh, most of us were there with him when he went and uh, he died peacefully. If you would, please keep his wife Karen in prayer. They were married three weeks. Um, he was not a man who darkened the door of a church very often. However, in his last year, his life changed dramatically. I asked him when he was first diagnosed with cancer about a year and a half ago, I had this concern as did my other sibling. And I asked him, have you taken care of your will? Yes, I did and some other things, and I said, and what about, what, you, what happens, where do you stand if this surgery, which was to have the first kidney removed, comes, doesn't work out? He says, either way, I'm gonna be better off. So I said, you accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior? He said, yes. And he indicated the same to other family members. So, it's not goodbye, but see you later. I'm looking forward to that, thank you. Thank you, Steve. So keep that family in prayer, and especially his wife, his wife Karen. Good to have Sandy Snyder with us. This, uh, where's your seat? Right here. You moved. Sandy, we're sitting back here. Okay. Good to have Sandy back after her hip replacement surgery. Um, also, <coughs> excuse me. <clears throat> I just learned this morning that Gladys Swigert, our neighbor across the street, she now is out at the premier um, nursing home in Millersburg for therapy. So uh, keep her in your prayer as well. Um, oh, yes. Uh, man, let me make sure she's not here. Bonnie Bechtel's not here, right? <laughs> Remember a little while back when Pastor Tony was speaking about a card shower? And um, Gene and Joyce were sitting right down front. Charlie and Tina and Sue Lippert are on our way down south to do some uh, work uh, with Samaritan's Purse. And so Charlie said to me, he said, uh, could you announce, since Bonnie's not going to be here this morning, that her 75th birthday is on September the 27th. And he's requesting a card shower for Bonnie. So um, I'm uh, throwing that out to you, and um, I hope that doesn't get back to her. 
Uh, we're not going to say that again because I imagine she'll be here next week. So um, please keep that in your, in your prayers as well. So Father, as we come and bow, bow before you, we are thankful. Uh, we are a thankful people. Lord, we have to be for all that you have showered upon us. Lord, you have blessed us in ways beyond what we could imagine. Lord, you have touched us and uh, moved in our lives in ways, Lord, that we are so grateful. Lord, we thank you for who you are. Father, we're to be thankful in all things, for this is your will. So, Lord, even in the midst of the storms of life, Lord, we thank you for being that great and sovereign God, a God, Lord, who oversees all things that take place in, in creation, including our lives. Lord, nothing goes without notice. You care for us, you love us more than we'll ever know. And as Jean has sung so beautifully, Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy. Father, you give us what we don't deserve and you don't give us what we do deserve. Father, you give us eternal life and you don't give us the fires of eternal damnation. And it's because of your grace. It's because of your mercy. It's because, Lord, you love us beyond measure. Father, we're thankful, too, that we are children of God's that we are part of a family, as we sang earlier. We are the body of Christ, and as the body of Christ, Lord, we're, we're burdened. Our hearts break when we hear of others, Lord, who are experiencing difficulties. So we do lift before you Steve and uh, Tom's wife, Karen. We pray for these, Lord, that you might comfort them from uh, or with the comfort that only comes from above. Father, we pray for Gladys Swigert now, who is spending some time now in a nursing home. We ask, Lord, that she would be able to recover so that she can return home. Father, we think of Bonnie and pray and thank you, Father, for another birthday that is on the horizon. We think of the group, Charlie and Tina and Sue, who have left or are leaving today. Uh, to go south to help with some cleanup work uh, from, I believe, Hurricane Katrina that took place a few years ago. We pray that, Lord, you would use them in a great way. We think of those down south as we speak in the Carolinas and other states, Lord, that are experiencing devastating um, rains and floodwaters. Father, we've heard that there are lives now that have been taken Father, we pray for families, those still that are stranded, those, Lord, who just need help. Father, we lift them before you and pray that, Lord, you would go before those, Lord, who are experiencing such trouble. Father, I thank you again for this time that you've given us this morning. Father, another time when we can spend it together, another time when we can be together. Father, I pray that as we open your word, and as we study, Lord, that you might help it to be clear, help us to understand what you have written, 
and help us to understand, Lord, how it is to be applied to each of us, how this passage this morning affects our lives and helps us, Lord, to grow. For Father, you gave your word, not just for us to read and to hear, but to live it out. And so, Lord, we're thankful again for this church that holds to sound doctrine. Father, believing that your word leads to godliness, that your word, Lord, leads to a holy life as we obey it and we heed it. So use our time together, I pray, in a special way, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Take your hymn books, turn to hymn number 96, praise him, praise him. Leonard's going to come and lead us in this hymn. Another one of Fanny Crosby's numbers, hymn number 96, and it's, said, it's taken from Psalms, praise him according to his excellent greatness. I'd like you for you to stand with me as we sing this together. Hymn number 96. <clears throat> praise Him, praise Him, Jesus our blessed Redeemer.
The Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. He did that in six days, and on the sixth day, he also created man. The Bible says that he created man in his likeness and in his image. And part of that image was that man was given a free will, that man was given the ability to choose to choose whether to obey God or choose whether to disobey God. Man chose to disobey God. And Adam ate of the fruit that was forbidden. And the Bible says that in the day that he ate, he would surely die. And he did die. The Bible says that immediately he spiritually was dead. He was separated from God. He hid from God behind a tree hiding, trying to cover up his sins with fig leaves. The Bible says that because of his sin, sin entered into the world. And part of God's punishment to Adam and Eve was he expelled them from the garden. He drove them out of that beautiful environment that he created just for them. But God was still gracious. God was still merciful. And God allowed Adam and Eve to be fruitful and to multiply. That was part of his command. And even though they had sinned, and even though they were expelled from the garden, God still permitted them to have children. And that's the story we read about this morning. The story of Cain and Abel. So if you have your Bibles, would you take them? And turn with me to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. And she said, with the help of the Lord, I brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. The birth of Cain and Abel. Cain, the name means begotten. And Eve understood that she brought forth this child with the help of God. He was a special little boy. He was the first child that was ever born. She gave birth then to another, another little boy, and his name was Abel. Abel means breath. And there's, I suppose, a hint of the shortness of his life in his name, because Abel will be slain and his life will be taken early. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 5 and verse 4 that Adam and Eve, they had other children. You know how old Adam was when he died? 930 years old. You can make a lot of kids in those years. <laughs> Don't you pity Eve. So the birth of Cain and Abel, we read on. Look at verse 2. Abel kept flocks, and Cain he worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil, 
as an offering to the Lord. And Abel, he also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. We read in these verses of the sacrifices of both Cain and Abel. Cain, the Bible says, was a farmer. Abel, he was a shepherd. Both of these jobs were very important. One was not better or more important than the other. We all need the wool of sheep, and we need fruits and vegetables. Both, I believe, knew that offerings needed to be brought to God for their sins. At a certain time, at a certain place, I believe Adam made these things clear to his sons. I believe Adam told them stories about the forbidden fruit time and time again. How that they disobeyed God and they ate from the fruit of the vine. And how that they tried in their own effort to cover their own sins with fig leaves and hid behind the tree. I imagine Cain and Abel were all ears as their dad was telling them these stories. How they were told that God did not accept the fig leaves. That they were not enough to be able to cover their sins. And God, right there in front of us, as Adam's telling this story, right there in front of us, God, he slew an animal. And the blood of this animal, it spilled, it spilled all over the ground. And he, he took the skins of these animals and he made garments and covered us and restored us to a relationship. I imagine they knew exactly what they were to do. And then we read of the offerings that they brought. Cain, it says, he, he brought the fruit of the ground. You see, remember, he was a farmer. And so he brought something that he created with his own hands. Abel, on the other hand, he brought the firstborn of his flock. And then we read that God accepted Abel's offering, but he rejected Cain's. The question that is always raised at this point is why? Why was the offering of Cain's rejected? And why did God look at Abel's and accept his? It doesn't say here in the text exactly why, but there's much speculation. And so let me suggest a few reasons why Cain's offering was rejected. The first reason I suggest is because it was not a blood sacrifice. As I said, Adam must have told Cain and Abel the story time and time again. How that God required a blood sacrifice to cover their sins. The fig leaves, they were just not enough. 
back in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4. Hebrews chapter 11 is that wonderful chapter that deals with the faith of the Old Testament saints. It says, by faith, Abel, he offered a better sacrifice or a more excellent sacrifice. And so it does appear as though there was something in the sacrifice that was unacceptable, that it had no blood. That fruit that he brought, it did not bleed. And he accepted Abel's because Abel's was a blood sacrifice. Let me suggest something else. Cain did not bring his best. The Bible says that Abel brought the firstborn. He brought the best. He brought that perfect sacrifice. Cain must not have been so particular. He didn't grab the first fruits. He just grabbed a piece of fruit. Abel went out of his way to find the best, the most costly, the first, the best. Cain brought the rest. Abel's love and devotion and worship of God was shown in giving his very, very best. You know, that's always what God requires, is it not? God doesn't require something less than the best. He requires from us the best. He requires us to give, for example, when we give our tithes and offerings, he doesn't want the leftovers. He wants us to take it from the top. God is looking for us to give him the very best, right off the top. And so I suggest that Cain, unlike Abel, did not bring the best that he had. The third suggestion I'm making, and I'm not saying we have to choose one or the other. Maybe it's all three. I don't know exactly. But the third suggestion is that Cain did not offer his sacrifice in faith. Again, in Hebrews chapter 4, it says, in faith able. It doesn't appear to me that Cain came to God in faith. I believe they both knew what was required. They both had the same revelation. They both heard the same stories from their father, Adam. And yet Cain brings an offering of his own making. It's as though he came to God in his own terms. I know what you require, God, but I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to bring something that I made, that I grew out of the ground. And again, I believe I see in this suggestion pride we mentioned that before how pride came, seems to come into all of these stories at the beginning of the book of genesis pride satan fell because of pride eve looked at the fruit and saw it was good for the, it was the pride of life and here we have cain again who says i'm not going to listen to you god I'm not going to do it your way, God. I have my own way. I'm not going to put myself under your authority or submit to you, but I'm going to bring what I think ought to be brought. The Bible says we're to live by faith and not by sight. And the opposite of faith is sight. And Cain worshiped by sight according to his own senses and wisdom. He saw a piece of fruit 
didn't care much what God thought. He wants to do it his way. And so, I suppose it could be one of these three, or maybe all three, or maybe something else. But the bottom line is, is that when God saw Cain's offering, he rejected it. And when he saw Abel's offering, he accepted it. And if you were listening as I read, did you notice Cain's reaction in verse 5? But on Cain's offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Cain was angry at God. Angry at God because it was God who rejected his offering. Angry at Abel because his was accepted. But you know, you have to love the way God deals with this. God begins to ask questions. He begins to stir Cain's mind and stir Cain's heart. Like a loving father, he doesn't punish right away, he doesn't condemn. As we saw, heard in Gene's song, God's a God of mercy. And God's not right away going to give Cain what he deserves. He's giving him a second chance. Isn't that what God does? Isn't God a God of second chances? We fall flat on our faces. We disobey God. And God brings us under his arms and shows us his grace and his mercy. And God begins to ask questions, as he did with Adam, his father. Not because God's looking for information. Listen, God doesn't need information. God knows all things. He doesn't ask questions of Adam or ask questions of Cain in order that he might gain knowledge, but to stir up in those who are being asked the questions, to stir up and to get them to think, what, what is the answer to that? What am I doing? So notice the questions that he asks. Why are you angry, Cain? Why is your face so downcast? And if you do what's right, will you then not be accepted? So he comes to Cain and he asks these questions so that Cain might search his own heart, answer the questions within himself. And if you will admit, God is saying to Cain, if you will just admit your wrongdoing, Repent of your sin and now bring the right offering. I will accept that and the relationship now will be restored. But if not, God goes on to say, if you do not do what is right, then sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you, but you must rule over it. You must master it. And God here is warning that sin is like an animal that's, that's ready to pounce on its prey. And if Cain, if you don't get a grip, if you don't get your anger under control, then it's going to destroy you. 
And I believe God has in mind in saying this, he, God knows what Cain is plotting. I believe God knows what is running through Cain's mind at this point. That he has all intentions of taking his brother out into the field and slaying him. And God is saying, listen, I'm giving you a second chance. Repent. Do the right thing. And if you don't do it, then you will follow through with your intentions. You know, when we don't get control of anger, it controls us, doesn't it? It desires to have you, but it, you must rule over it, God said to Cain. You must get a grip, Cain, on your anger. You are angry, you are bitter, and you have these ill feelings toward your brother Abel. Anger is a strong emotion, and if not put in check, it will destroy, and bad things will happen. So let's continue to read and see what bad thing will happen. Verse 8. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother and Abel, his brother Abel, and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and you're driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on earth. Here we have the beginning of violence. The beginning of violence. It is clear to me that this was all premeditated. Deliberately deceiving his brother by saying, let's go out into the field. Let's go out into the field. Cain's thinking to himself, there's no witnesses out there. No one's going to hear the shout of the victim. Let's go out into the field. Far away from people. And Cain directs his anger, his jealousy and his hatred toward his brother. And this uncontrolled anger becomes very destructive. It always will. Uncontrolled anger is very, very destructive. I was reading something this week where um, it can harm your own health. That angry people die young, younger than others who are not angry. It can destroy relationships. How often do we hear of those who have not spoken to someone for a week or a month or a year because of something that was done wrong in the past? It harms yourself. It harms relationships and other people. Sometimes we have this bottled up anger within us. Bottled up anger that we just, for some reason, we can't 
keep in check. Bad things happen when anger goes on and on and on. It resulted in Abel's death, but it destroyed Cain's life as well. There were no human witnesses, of course, but God was there. You know, God is always a witness to everything that takes place, whether we think we're doing things in hiding or not. God is always a divine witness. And now God starts with more questions. God goes out into the field and he begins to ask Cain these questions. Where is your brother Abel? Cain replies, I, I don't know. Do you realize how stupid it is to lie to God? <laughs> what, what would make anyone think they can lie to God? Or like Adam, hide behind a tree. As if God can't see us. If, if everything isn't exposed to us. And so he says, I don't know. I just don't know where my brother is. And then he goes on to say, am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? Am I to keep track of him? Am I supposed to be watching? I heard a funny story the other day. I was reading of a guy who applies for um, a position in a theater in the mall. And he goes to the interview, and he sits down, and the interviewer starts asking him questions. And he's trying to answer them, you know, to the best of his knowledge. And then the interviewer asks the question, what would you do in the case, in case there would be a fire? And he says, oh, you don't have to worry about me. I can get myself out. Well, clearly he didn't get the job. But my question to you is, are you your brother's keeper? Was that a good question that Cain asked? Am I my brother's keeper? Now, he was suggesting the answer, no, I'm not. How would you answer that question? Are you your brother's keeper? You know, I think a lot of Christians, they would answer it like Cain. No, life really isn't about me watching out for you. Life's about me watching out for myself. It's all about me. It's not about you. I, I don't know that I really care about you or want to know about your needs. I, I don't want to be involved in any of that. I'm not watching out for you. I am not your keeper. You keep yourself and I will keep myself. Is that what the Bible says? You know, in the Bible, there are, there are these words, one another, one another, one another. 59 times in the New Testament, we read one another. For example, the Bible says we are to love one another. We are to live in harmony with one another. We are to serve one another. We are to pray for one another. We are to encourage and build up one another. We are to teach one another. We are to forgive one another. We are to bear with 
one another. We are to not lie to one another. We are to submit to one another. We are to be kind to one another. We are to accept one another. We are to honor one another. We are to be at peace with one another. We are to give preference to one another. We are not to judge one another. Now let me ask the question again. <laughs> are you your brother's keeper? You bet you are. You bet you are. We're to be looking after and out for each other. And I am so pleased to be in a church when there are needs that arise, that there is someone who has a problem, that there are so many people in this church that understand that that is my brother. She is my sister. And I am to reach out to that person. I am to love them and care for them. And it's more about them than it is me. If you answer no to that question, God help you. Because we are a family, the family of God. We are spiritually brothers and sisters, and we are to be watching out for one another. And I appreciate those of you that understand that, that we're our brother's keepers. We're our sister's keepers. And when someone hurts, we hurt. When someone has a need, we have a need. It's not just about me when you come into the church. It's not about me anymore. It's about us. It's about us. It's about being part of that one another. Cain knew nothing of that. Cain knew nothing of the one another's. There was no love, there was no compassion, there was no care. Anger got the best of him. And God now will let him know that he knows. Up to this point, Cain probably thinks, I pulled a fast one on God. Now God is going to let Cain know that God knows. Adam couldn't hide. Cain can't hide. And what God does is curses Cain. God places a curse on Cain. The NIV Study Bible says this, estranged from his fellow man and finding even the ground inhospitable, he became a wanderer in the land of wandering. God places a curse on Cain and says, even the ground in which you brought forth fruit and vegetables when you work the ground, Cain, it's no longer going to yield crops for you. And not only that, but you're going to become a restless wanderer and have no place to settle. Now, you would think at this point, Cain would come to his senses and say, you know what, I made a big mistake. I, I, I just blew it. I blew it completely. You know what he does? He whines about the severity of this punishment. Come on, man. I mean, you would think sooner or later, come on, Cain, you would get it. God keeps giving chance after chance after chance. And yet he never seems to understand. And so we keep reading at verse 13. 
Cain says to the Lord, my punishment, it's more than I can bear. Today you're driving me from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence, and he lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. We find in the punishment mercy. We find in this curse the mercy of God. Cain responds to the punishment. I don't think with remorse, but with self-pity. Woe is me if I have to be a wanderer and I'm out there wandering around somewhere and hopefully not that some avenger will find me and take my life. For I think Cain is thinking through this now. If I can take someone's life, then what would stop someone else from taking my life? And so rather than coming before God and once again giving him the chance to repent, he responds not with remorse, but with self-pity. And yet God in his mercy, he puts this mark on Cain that would protect him. Now, I don't know what the mark is. Uh, I don't know that anybody does. Uh, it doesn't appear to me that it's some kind of a tattoo uh, or something visible outside. How would an avenger know what that mark would even mean? So I, I don't know what it exactly is. Maybe some supernatural thing going on here that if avenger were to come, uh, they would be not permitted to take Cain's life, but there's some mark or sign, some translations uh, say sign rather than mark, that God in his mercy is not going to permit an avenger to take the life of Cain. What is mercy? When I say in this point, the mercy, there is mercy in this punishment. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Cain deserves to be slain, right? Eye for eye. Let's just get, I mean, if he's going to take the life of his brother, that's, mercy is not giving someone what they deserve. Cain deserves death. God's giving him mercy and sparing his life, protecting his life. But that's what God does. That's who he is. God is a God of grace, and God is a God of mercy. Now, he is a holy God. God is a just God. And God must come and punish at times, but this punishment is tempered with mercy. He offers this to Cain. You know, the Bible says that you and I, we all deserve death. The wages of sin is death. 
Adam sinned and death came to all men because all have sinned. We all deserve death. That's spiritual death. Not necessarily physical death, but we deserve spiritual death, which is to be eternally separated from God throughout all eternity in the fires of hell. That's what we deserve because we have sinned against a holy and just and righteous God. That's what mankind deserves. But God in his mercy saves us. The wages of sin is death, that's punishment, but the gift of God is eternal life, that's mercy. God doesn't give us what we deserve. He offers us, as he offered Cain, a way out, salvation. But it comes through repentance. It comes in asking God to forgive us because of the shed blood of Jesus. Remember, we talked about a blood sacrifice. All the way through the Old Testament, blood sacrifice. Starts all the way back when God killed that animal and the blood spilt on the ground. We come to Israel and the sacrifices would be brought to the priest and there on the altar, the blood would be shed and spilt on the ground. We come to the New Testament and here's Jesus now hanging on a cross, his blood spilt and laid on the ground. It's a blood sacrifice that brings about the forgiveness of the sins of mankind. What the animals in the Old Testament could not do, Jesus did on the cross. The wages of sin is death. That's what we deserve. But the Bible says that on the cross, Jesus died in our place. He experienced that death when he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was separated from his Father there on the cross. He experienced that spiritual death that you deserve and I deserve. But God in his mercy says, if you trust in my son who died for you, then I will give to you eternal life. The wages of sin is death. That's punishment. But Jesus, he took that punishment. The gift of God is eternal life. That's mercy to those who believe. God said to Adam, in the day that you eat, you will surely, surely die and he died spiritually separated from God but restored with the clothing of animal skins Cain you're going to be a restless wanderer you're going to be punished Cain you're going to come under this curse the ground won't even produce crops for you but I'm going to spare your life I'm going to allow you to live, Cain. That's mercy. In Titus chapter 3 and verse 5, we read, He, God, saved us, not because of righteous things that we have done, but because of his mercy. I trust that you have received the mercy of God and have trusted Christ as your own Savior, and have eternal life. Father, we thank you for salvation. Father, we thank you for the gift 
that you've given to mankind, the gift of life, the life that only comes through a personal relationship with you. We thank you, Father, for your mercy, not giving us the very thing we deserve, but providing us with a way to escape. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin. And I pray this morning, Lord, that each one here, each person knows without doubt that they have put their faith in Jesus and they have a home that's being prepared for them in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Years I've spent in vanity and pride, caring not it was my Lord who was crucified, knowing not it was for me he died on Calvary. Hymn number 286. Let's stand together and we'll sing this as we close. I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was he died on Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free, pardon there was multiplied to me. My burdened soul found there word at last my sin I learned then I trembled at the law I'd spurn till my guilty spring turned to Calvary mercy there was great and great <clears throat> to me there my burdened soul found live everything now I gladly <laughs> mercy there was great and grace was free that the instruments, you start us off uh, with this stanza and then drop out and we're going to sing this a cappella as we close and as we're dismissed. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did spend at Calvary. Mercy, there was great and grace was free. Pardon, there was multiplied to me. My burdened soul found liberty at Calvary.
Father, we're grateful this morning for your grace and for your mercy. Lord, may we continually praise your name for all the wonderful things you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. 